When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to take a few moments out to speak to Bishop Alan Abernathy, who's available for a conversation uh, with us. Uh, uh, Bishop Abernathy, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, you've written a book that some spotlight has been uh, put on. You've bared your soul, which is probably a difficult enough task for any man of the cloth to, to do. Um, you had been uh, taking a sabbatical. You'd been through some ill health, and you, you spent time creating this book. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I was 11 years of Bishop Frank, and I suppose I just needed time out, A, as an introvert, uh, but also someone who finds the way they best recover from busyness is to take time on my own and to write. But I had, over the years, had different illnesses, but I went on sabbatical last May, came back in August, and then in September, when I came back into the fray, all ready to go, fired up, I discovered I had prostate cancer, which was kind of a strange thing, but a little ironic, because I'd just written a book about the jewel in the mess, which I believe is kind of the incarnational picture that God comes in the mess of our lives, doesn't fix it, but helps us live with it. And there I was discovering that actually is quite true. So in the book, you are prepared to tell it as it is, including uh, talking about your father, who, who was actually a gambling addict. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a strange for me, Frank, because looking back, I considered myself to be a happy child and have a good childhood, fantastic family support. My mum's wider family were amazing, including her parents and sisters. But I suppose as you get older, you begin to realise that some of those things are left in your kind of psyche and help you behave in certain ways. So when I had depression in 2010 to 11, I did some cognitive therapy and discovered that some of the results of my behaviour in terms of thinking I had to fix everything, taking responsibility for things that weren't mine, go back to my childhood. And I suppose I had to learn and relearn how to behave differently. Um, and I suppose only in your 50s you can realise, actually, that childhood, even though it was good to me, it had left some things that really had been unresolved and undealt with. Uh, for me, I suppose the process of going through a breakup of marriage, it's, it's, it's different to bereavement, but there's similar symptoms and similar results. And I suppose it was an adult I began to realise some of the effects of that. But your, your dad did leave your, your mum penniless. Well, yeah, it probably worse than that, Frank. I mean, in a sense, we had, uh, my father was left an awful lot of money by his parents. We lived with them initially in their home. They both died when I was very, very young in my early two or three years. Uh, the details are a bit hazy because I was very young. Uh, he then downsized to be near to my mum's parents. At least that was the story. Uh, and we discovered years later he'd obviously been losing a lot of money. But literally one morning when my brother and I were at school, the bailiffs arrived and my mum was on the street, but, but for her parents who were amazing. And we lived with them for a while and they eventually bought a house for all of us to live in. Um, yes, but my mum also, because we're kind of you on 
her mor- morality and her strict code of conduct was paying some of my dad's debts off for some time to come. Do, do you have a sense of anger at your dad or do you look uh, back on him as someone who was in need of prayer and help or do you really regret him being your dad? Uh, no, no. I mean, I think I, I am who I am and the genes are here and, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for them. Um, I, I suppose to me there was one of the great lessons in my bit of my own journey of faith that anger doesn't help anybody. It only goes in in yourself and maybe there is a sense that some of my unresolved anger was part of why I ended up in depression. I don't know. But I don't think I was ever angry with him. I think I felt sadness. I, I, you know, there were questions I was left with, such as I was ordained in 1981. I got married in 1983. I became a father in 1987. And he was still alive, I discovered, sometime after this. But I never... He, did he know? Did he know anything of what my life had become? That's a kind of sadness, I suppose, an unresolved question. Uh, when I became a father, I then went looking for him because I kind of began to realize as a parent, my children are going to ask me about my dad. Uh, I discovered he had died. Um, but it was kind of a, there's never been bitterness, just a sense of what if. Yeah, it's a very, very sad, sad story. And d- during your calling to ministry, were you always someone who believed that that was your, uh, your direction? <laughs> yeah, it was a... Frank, it's more complicated than that. It, it, I mean, I always like to describe it as it was the last thing on earth I wanted to do but felt I had to. Um, I, I just didn't want to be ordained. I didn't want to be uh, part of the church because I struggled with, with church. I struggled with, in a sense, how they... In the generation I grew up in, they couldn't handle my mum because she was not a separated lady. Um, and so I struggled with church and I struggled... I, I had a lot of questions. I've always been someone who wants to wrestle with issues and likes the grey areas. So I always felt that oh, this isn't for me, and I suppose I also had these questions around church. But one of my very dear friends, John Dinnan, who was dean of residence at Queens at the time, said to me, "I'm going to read the New Testament. You discover there is no such thing as a perfect church, and then come back and tell me that this isn't for you." And I kind of felt trapped after that. I kind of felt, well, yeah, there is no such thing as a perfect church because there's full of human beings. So I, in the end, give in to the call, and in a sense, I know it's what I'm meant to do. Just know it. It's very hard to explain that, but I know what it was meant to do. And, I've had a very rewarding ministry. Part of that reward through ministry would have been being a, a church leader uh, during during the troubles. Was was that a difficult time for you? Uh, I, I, I think it, it's, it's always very hard when you look back to remember exactly how it was. But I think that there were difficult moments uh, in, in the troubles, but yet there were also great opportunities. Uh, I mean, I suppose because I grew up in East Belfast and witnessed some very difficult things about, you know, I grew up in a Protestant area. I watched Catholics being thrown out of their homes and, uh, and treated very badly. Equally, there were many uh, places where that happened to Protestants. So it was right across the city. There were different experiences for different people. But I, I suppose on day one of my ministry began to feel very strongly that if I'm involved in ministry in this country, it has to be a reconciliation. That's the absolute heartbeat of what we do, bringing people together who apparently can't get on. I've spent all my ministry trying to do that. That has brought me to some strange and difficult places, but some very rewarding places too. It's interesting, what we've been talking about earlier this morning is the future for the, the Mays site and yeah. whether yeah. or not H Block 6, which was the area for the Loyalists or the prison chapel or yeah. indeed the prison hospital where the hunger strikers died, should be retained, fully retained and turned into a, a tourist attraction where people pay at the door to see uh, where yeah. it, all, where it all, all happened. Are, are we ready? Are we ready for that in your opinion? I, I, I suppose for me that the 
big question still is in Northern Ireland. Until we deal with the past, Frank, it's going to be very hard to find ways of living with it. And I, I still think that's the biggest issue that has never been dealt with since the Good Friday Agreement in the past. The pain of those who have been bereaved and hurt and injured, and the pain of everyone in, in this community that still is unresolved. And I think part of the maze has to be part of that, but how we deal with that in my mind is more difficult than it because we haven't really dealt with the past. Will we ever deal with it? We have to, Frank. I mean, if we're ever going to find a better future, we have to find ways of dealing with the past. It's just, it's like the elephant in the room is just always sitting there and we have to find a way of dealing with it. Well, Bishop Alan Abernethy, I wish you continued uh, success in your journey back to full health. And um, I hope the, the, the books are going off the, the shelves like hotcakes, as they say, for people who are interested, and I'm sure many are, for the inside story. And it is, uh, it is really a burning the soul uh, story. Uh, just remind us of the full title and the publisher. By Columba, available direct from them or from the book well on the Belmont Road. Lovely stuff. Uh, Alan, thanks for speaking to us indeed. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Thank, Thank you. you. All the best. Thanks. Uh, bye. Uh, Bishop Alan there. Um, good morning to you. 028903105 is the best number to get us on. I'll have a look at your text, your emails, and we'll include your conversation here on the U105. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Keep phone in after this.